Welcome to the Kiwi Running Show. Today we talk about the magic, the mystery, the magnificence, the majesty that is the mile. Kia ora and welcome to episode 33 of the Kiwi Running Show, brought to you by TempoFit. As always, I'm Hamish Meacham, along with Hayden Sherman. And today's episode is all about the mile, that mythical distance, the metric 1500 metres. My favourite event, your favourite event. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yep. the 1500 and the mile for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, so when I was here in New Zealand, I was like, mile. <laughs> What a silly race. Um, <laughs> then having spent time... 109 metres, yeah, what difference yeah. does that make? Yeah, um, and then having spent time in America and run the mile, my appreciation for the events has increased a lot. In fact, I think they should just... You know, here domestically in New Zealand, there's very few opportunities to run the mile. I'd like to see much, much more. I'd like to see much less 1,500 metre running, but... Anyway, that's uh, not the focus of, of the show today. We've got a cool interview lined up, Hayden. Yeah, we've got a we've got a bunch of interviews. So we've got some of our Tempo Fit crew. We did a time trial uh, over the mile um, a couple of weeks ago. So we've got some of their thoughts. So they're just regular runners um, who usually do half marathons and they're kind of trying themselves out on, on the shorter distance. Most of them weren't very keen to do it. Um, but afterwards, they were, um, they were definitely like, wow, that was harder than I thought, but more fun than I I thought, yeah. uh, which was cool. Then we've got an interview with Nick Willis, um, who's obviously one of our top milers ever. Um, yep. Yep. I would say top miler ever, but he doesn't own the record. No, he um, doesn't. And he doesn't have any um, gold medals, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which um, a few of our other milers do. So we, we have obviously a really rich heritage. So Nick Willis is here to share some of his passion for the mile and also talk about a new business that he's launched. Wow, we're, we're just near the the water's edge here doing the show outside and a massive fish just jumped out wow. of the water. I've got it. Yeah. actually uh, not a bad looking girl who just jogged past so I was oh, yeah, looking uh, the other looking way the other way yeah right um, uh, eyes on the, uh, eyes on the fish yeah right so um, yeah so Nick Willis is coming on and he he started a, a business in, in um, training up people for the mile um, yeah. just everyday people and then we are also planning we haven't quite got it loaded up um, talking to um some of the peeps at Athletics New Zealand about the People's Mile, which is coming up shortly yeah, yeah. towards the end of February. Yeah, so, and, and so that's part of the Auckland Track Challenge, the big uh, professional track meet here in Auckland coming up. Yeah, yeah, and it gives people a chance to jump on the track, give the mile a whirl. Um, and there's quite a few events like, well, well, a couple of events like this around the country, like um, down in Wellington, there was always the, the Santa Mile just before Christmas on the track, which was always fun. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a few others around there, around New Zealand, so yeah, yeah, exciting, exciting event. Um, so tell me, Hamish, how, how did you develop your passion for the mile? Tell, tell me your journey with the mile. So I started out running with the Frankton Athletic and Harrier Club, and we'd have a, a rolling schedule. So we had club nights on Tuesdays, and it was either A, B, or C program. Yep. Um, and I think it was within the B program there was a mile. Cool. And so I've I've always run the mile but those you know club nights and so not that competitive and I started out probably running well over five minutes for my first ones yeah my first competitive mile um was at 
the Cook's Classic. And nice. so the Cook's Classic is in Wanganui, which is the it's kind of the historic home of miling in New Zealand. So yeah. it it's held at the ground where Peter Snell broke the mile world record when he ran three fifty four. On the grass? On the grass track yeah. in Wanganui. Um, I'm not old enough to have run on the grass. Um, so but they hold the Cook's Classic every year and my first kind of big mile race was in the junior mile there um, and just got my ass absolutely spanked <laughs> by some of the better juniors in New Zealand um, but what struck me on that day was how different it was from yeah. the 1500 metre it's quite a you know tactically quite a different event um, it's a lot more challenging and for some reason even though it's an extra 100 metres I, I found psychologically it felt like a, I was running a lot further um, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? That yeah. Just that short 109 metres difference does actually make, uh, it does. make quite a big difference. To uh, the, a 1500, you know, you you basically you start and there's a bit of jostling for position and then there's three laps to go. Yeah. A mile is, um, because it starts on a bend, the start is often really, really hectic just for a first 100 metres, there's, you know, up to 20 people kind of crashing through trying to find a, a spot on the inside. Yeah, the start yeah. tends to be really, really fast, almost always too fast. Yeah. Um, and so then you've got a full three and a half, three and three quarter laps. Still to, to run. Yeah, still yeah. to run. Um, and, yeah, it's very common in the mile for people to go out too fast, I think, that. Yeah. Uh, and often it. you go out at 1500 meter pace even though you're probably a little bit slower for the mile anyway yeah, a little so bit, maybe yeah. you might be a second slower per the, per the mile for per lap yeah for the for the mile and then it, 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 but it, uh, you feel it on that third lap yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it'll come back to bite you so um, but really I started running more miles in the states yeah um, particularly indoors um, so there's uh, no such thing as an indoor 1500 meters. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an indoor mile, which is usually eight laps of a 200 meter track, and I just loved that event. Cool. Just absolutely loved it. It was. It goes by really, really quickly. Being on a smaller track, uh, I don't know why the psychology of that works. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, really, really loved it. Didn't get to run too many outdoors, but the indoor mile is really where I developed my love for the events. Awesome. Particularly, yeah, just feeling so fast going around those indoor tracks. And I, over in the States, primarily was running the longer distances. So the mile was pretty much the shortest event that I would ever run. So it was like my my version of a 100 meter sprint. Cool. And I'd really just go for it. What was your best time? Oh, I'd hate to think. Um, <laughs> probably 4.19 or something like that. Oh, that's better than me. Yeah. I haven't cracked 4.30. My oh, really? My best is 4.30. The, the only mile I'd ever do was this one in Wellington, the this, the Christmas mile. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because it was so early in the season, I wasn't really wasn't really in the zone. Um, but, yeah, so I was, I was always disappointed because I'd run 4.30, 4.31, 4.32. Yeah, yeah. Never cracked that 4.30 no, mark. It I, was a bit frustrating. I know I ran 4.24 a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, and because the mile is also part of uh, a great events that they have on the collegiate scene, the distance medley relay. Oh, which, yeah, uh, cool. starts with a 1,200, then an... 800 then a 400 and then finishes with a mile yeah and so i would quite often be running the mile leg on, on, in that event um nice. and uh, yeah so great it's good fun great events well i um i probably discovered my love for the mile just 
just being a Kiwi, really. Uh, following guys like John Walker when I was really young. I, yeah. I was born in 81, so I caught, sort of caught the end of his career. Mm. Um, but then obviously hearing stories of Peter Snell and Jack Lovelock and Murray Helberg and all these guys and the mile and that distance really, um, it's in the psyche of Kiwis, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, re I really picked up on well, that. And it, um, it's great for the sport of running because there's that magical barrier yeah. of the sub four minute mile which yep. you, you know when you talk about being a distance runner and it's similar to if you mention you're a runner within the workplace and people go have you run a marathon well if you have a conversation with with a runner and you, you know you find out they were a middle distance runner what was your mile time yeah and it's kind of one of those universals yeah and absolutely those people who have been lucky enough or, or uh, talent enough or trained hard enough to run under four minutes for a mile you know that's a real elite bunch and yeah. we've been lucky we've had I think it's over 30 New Zealanders run under sub four minutes for the wow. mile now which is yeah. amazing you know there's been more people climb Everest yeah. than run a sub four minute mile so it is truly truly an elite group in world sport absolutely yeah. and it is such a big feat I mean if you go down to your track and just run 100 meters in under 15 seconds um, you'll realize how fast you have to go to break yeah. four for the mile yeah uh, it is very very quick um, so yeah I would love to have joined that club it's not going to happen <laughs> no, <laughs> sadly no. yeah. Uh, but yeah looking back on our history um, can you tell us who who was the first Kiwi to break for uh, so it was Sir Murray Helberg was our first sub four minute miler awesome um, at, now I know it was Aintree Stadium I, it was in the UK I okay. exactly where um, but yeah, he, he in the mid fifties uh, um, time around then. It was Maybe after late 50s. the yeah late fifties, so it was after the fifty six Olympics. So, so I want to say it was nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. Um, so basically, one of his last years as a miler before he transferred up to to being primarily a five k runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now what? Um, what sort of records are we looking at? Who holds the female record in New Zealand for the mile? Now, now that's an interesting question. Because uh, <laughs> technically the uh, outdoor record belongs to uh, an American-born uh, runner, Christine Fitzinger. She was American-born, right? Oh, or is it, just or is it her husband? Yeah, oh, Pete. Well, she kind of sounds American, though. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I either. could be wrong yeah. with that. But... Uh, Christine Fitzinger ran uh, 4.30. Yeah, uh, in uh, in the states in the 80s, and so you know, and that's a decent time. But if you look at our 1500 record, which belongs to sorry about that yeah. helicopter going over here, just oh, a little interlude. By golly, we're back, and you're rescuing. Just gone yeah. rescue people somewhere else. Okay, here we. Yeah. So, so um, Christine Fitzing has got the outdoor record. Yeah, 430. 4:30. And if you look at our 1500 record, which Nikki Hamlin holds at 404, yeah, it's actually that record doesn't stack up. It's not one of it's, you know, it's a quote unquote soft record. Yeah. Um, but then you go indoors. Um, so 404 for the 1500. Just doing the maths really quickly, I would say you'd add about 18 seconds. Yeah, uh, maybe a bit 19 more for a woman. Yeah, yeah. 20. So 20. So it's a lot faster than 430. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then you look at the indoor mile record. Yeah. So the fastest mile ever run by a New Zealand female is 424 by Kim Smith. Um, cool. And so Kim Smith was obviously um, huge on, on the collegiate scene in the NCAA. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, it, that's that's actually a really good record. That four twenty four. That's yeah, a cracking yeah, time. Yeah, and so around the world, no woman has broken four for the mile yet. I think the Dude. fastest is four twelve ish. I think. Oh yeah, um, I don't know. It's yeah. not. It, it's not even within. It's not. It's not a consideration. Yeah, at the it's, moment. It, yeah. Would you say it's more of a stretch for a, a, a female to go under four than a male to go under two for the marathon? Much more of a stretch. Yeah. Much more of a stretch. So, Look, the women have um, a great barrier of, of going under four minutes for the fifteen hundred, which is it's funny because it's not comparable. It's much easier for a guy to go under four minutes for the mile. Okay. Then, yeah. all, then a female to go under four minutes yeah, for the yeah, fifteen hundred. But yeah. you know, there is they still have there is still a bit of a, a, a cool mark for them to chase there. So it'd yeah, be great awesome. to get a New Zealand female under four minutes for fifteen hundred at some stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the male record. Who does that belong to? Well, um, that's a that's an easy one. Everyone knows that John Walker ran uh, three forty nine point oh eight in Oslo. Yeah. In 1982 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that was actually one of the golden miles. Um, so, 82 is two, three, four, six years after he won his Olympic gold, uh, and six years after he initially went under 350 for the mile. Wow! So and first man in the world to go under, under 350. 350. So that's yeah. a big mark in Huge itself. Huge barrier. And yeah. John Walker was also the first man to run a uh, hundred sub-minute miles. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, he's got a huge part in the history of the sport. Um, 100 times under four yeah. minutes. Well, people, that is crazy, isn't it? People forget how long his career was. So, I mean, he was pretty young at the 74 uh, Commonwealth Games, but he kind yep. of burst onto the scene. In, Silver medal. Right. Yeah, burst onto the scene in New Zealand in 72 when he won his first 800 championship. Mm. And then he ran all the way through until the uh, 1990 19. Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And I believe he might have even ticked over like a, a season or two after that. So wow. he had a huge, huge, really long career. Yeah, so, that is impressive. Yeah. Especially going through those years where you're not, um, not officially getting paid anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and it, he, it only became professional in the 80s at some point, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got huge respect for him because he was the man. Like, he was the best in the world. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not to be unkind, but other athletes came along and they really eclipsed what he had done. So the Cohen Ovets and, and uh, you know, primarily the English guys, but a few others yeah. came and were just, you know, a couple of seconds faster and, and just dominated. Uh, he didn't retire he just kept going and um you know people might look back and go oh you know he didn't do as well in his last few years no actually he he actually got a little bit faster through the 80s there um and he was still right up there you know like really not a huge difference between where he was at with his world rankings and where um nick willis is at nowadays yeah Uh, it's just you know nick willis potentially has slightly better closing speed uh so has has a good history of picking up medals at the championships yeah so yeah yeah Yeah, i'd agree in rugby terms i kind of look at someone like john walker as like an andrew mertens who was a legend in his time but then gets kind of eclipsed by someone like dan carter who comes in after him you know guys like Seb Coe and Ovet and Cram and um, and then obviously the Africans really took over after that point. Yeah. So yeah, 
Um, yeah, and of course the 80s happened and we all know what happened yeah, in yeah. athletics during the 80s, so yeah, yeah well, a few things get clouded. Definitely through, you know, his running went right up to the edge of the EPO era. I think he was actually quite lucky that probably EPO didn't become rife until until post his retirement and then I, I would say the East Africans uh, sorry the, the North Africans were were the early adapters and maybe the Spaniards but anyway I won't yeah we won't uh, dig further into that yeah we've done the tra- drugs episode for the year yeah, yeah so anyway that gives you a bit of a taste of the mile and the the place it holds in in New Zealanders and obviously it's not just for the elite the mile is a great event for everyone to engage with it keeps you incredibly Incredibly fit and incredibly uh, fit. It's great for speed, great for um, maintaining a health, healthy lifestyle. So let's cross over to some interviews with our tempo fitters to hear how they enjoyed their mile. So here I am with, with Margaret just after we've done our one mile time trial. So first of all, tell us how, how it went for you today, how, how the leg's feeling afterwards. I feel fine now, but I really stuffed it up. I didn't listen to <laughs> Hayden about pacing. I went out far too fast. You did go out very fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I followed the speedy boys and got halfway into a headwind, hated it, and then I walked <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twice. Yeah, yeah. well, um, the first K was very speedy um, and then you succumbed to the walking, but still ran a pretty good time. So what was it, uh, about eight minutes? Was it eight? I've forgotten. Something? Yeah. Anyway, we can have, we can have a look at the. <laughs> it results. was really fast, everyone. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. Now, um, tell- I, I was running about four forty, and you told me to run at five twenty pace. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it went out a little bit speedy. <laughs> pacing, pacing, pacing is the key. So um, tell us a little bit about your background as a runner, so people um, know where you've come from, because you're not usually doing mile mile events. So. No, I have been more of a marathon runner. So I prefer it to be long and slow and just can escape. Yeah. Uh, trained for seven marathons, nice. but, but yeah. I haven't done one for about four years. And so I'm doing halves now. I'm a bit injury prone yeah. and really running is fitness so I can fit into my jeans and pretty dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. And have a wine as well. Yeah, I think that's why most people run. Yeah. Um, Although I, I more about the jeans than the pretty dresses, but you know, don't put it past me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the mile, like this, is obviously something quite different for us at Tempo Fit. How were you feeling coming into it? Were, were you a bit nervous about the speed of it? I hate fast running with a passion, so I wasn't looking forward to it. And I was running late for class, and I missed 10 minutes of the warm-up. So I was thinking, I'm really in the poo now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But afterwards, what do you, what do you think? Are you, um, are when you I could fan? breathe again? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's no, a actually, lung burner, isn't it? Yeah. It, it really no, is. I would do it again, and I yeah. think I would do it so much better. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And for actual fact, I'd like to do it again. Awesome. That's on record now. That is on record. Well, thanks, Margaret. And I hope those legs recover quickly. Thank you very much. Bye. So Ewan, you've you've just finished the the mile, and we've just had a stretch and all recovered. How are you how are you feeling now? Oh, pretty good. Um, I was pretty knackered at the end of it, but I'm um, feeling fairly energised now. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it is a bit like that the mile. Like you're not totally exhausted. Um, a few hours, like the few minutes afterwards, you are, but um, you do kind of recover quick, and the energy levels bounce back a bit. Um, so tell us about how how it actually went, the actual mile for you. 
Yeah, but probably a similar story to others. I probably went out a little bit too fast and when yeah, I hit about you were the, flying at the start. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Yeah, Just probably yeah. Yeah. a bit too quick. And I got to about the the 500 meter turn and I knew I had to kind of knock the pace down a little bit um, yeah. and then just kind of held on um, and then hit that 200 meter mark at the end and gave it a kick and got over the line awesome yeah yeah it did look like a really strong finish so you came in what was your time in, in the end six, six minutes 24 yeah awesome and came through just under four minutes for the the 1k so yeah really really fast start now give us a little bit of background uh, like how long have you been running what sort of running have you done in the past ah uh, so really kind of got into running maybe three years ago um uh, kind of through my work at the time they had a, a gym that um, used to do sort of 12 week challenges, one of those challenges was a half marathon so cool. that was my first time um, I've done a couple of half marathons and then I did the Rotorua Marathon three years ago um, and then after that I was pretty ruined for a month <laughs> yeah, or so yeah. um, I kind of dropped off with the running a bit um, and just really picked it up last year um, I did quite a few of the Xterra trail series yeah um, and then kind of got into tempo fit at the end of 2016 just trying to get a bit more targeted with the running yeah yeah um, I signed up for Rotorua yesterday so oh good work back to the marathon again yeah, yeah so full marathon yes yeah nice work now this is obviously um, the other end of the spectrum the mile um, what were your thoughts coming into it like um, you, you've kind of got a good good sort of natural speed were you, were you kind of looking forward to using that uh, yeah yeah I think so um, I'd never done a mile before um, yeah. and I'd never really done a lot of kind of speed work so it's been quite interesting sort of doing that end of the, cool. the running rather than just plodding trying to get huge numbers of k's under the belt so it's yeah. been really nice to do the the speed stuff so i didn't really know what to expect but it's a kind of it's a classic distance isn't it so yeah. it's nice to yeah. get a, a marker down for a time for that and something to aim for for next time cool yeah do you think there'll be a next time <laughs> or do you be keen for another yeah, yeah. kind of i like put, pushing myself and sort of going to the wall at the end there yeah, so yeah, yeah kind of, it's good yeah it's good distance good challenge it's probably actually harder than i think than doing the 3k time trials yeah yeah and just at the end the lungs were burning a bit more so yeah yeah you're a bit more in oxygen debt i think with the yeah, mile i had to stop um, straight away when I yeah 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 oh uh, cool well i hope the recovery is good and um all the best for the marathon training coming up yeah. Here I am with uh, with Gareth Archer, who's the... What's your official title? With uh, I'm the Events Manager for Athletics New Zealand. Yeah, awesome. So um, we've got a few big events coming up over the summer. Um, the main one in Auckland, anyway, is the Auckland Track Challenge. So um, tell us a little bit about the, the background of the event and, and what's sort of happening this year with it. Absolutely, yeah. The, uh, the Auckland Track Challenge is actually three years old. We had it uh, for the first two years out at uh, the uh, Douglas Track and field at the Trust Arena in, in Waitakere and this year yeah. uh, the event for the first time is moving to AET Millennium on the north shore of Auckland so uh, really excited we've got some top international athletes obviously we had a fantastic uh, Rio Olympics and so yeah. and Paralympics and so some of our, uh, our top stars Kiwis just want to see them we think so we're actually bringing out some uh, some top internationals and in a couple of events to take on uh, the likes of Tom Walsh, Eliza McCartney, Liam Malone on the track uh, awesome. in the field it's going to be awesome. Who, who have we got coming out just quickly? Um, 
Yes, so uh, in the shot put, we're really lucky to have Olympic gold medalist Ryan Krauser uh, awesome. from the US. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Tom Tom won the bronze in, in that event and also won the Diamond League. So a real battle between those two. Also Ryan Whiting out of the US, who's a former world indoor champion, uh, as Tom is as well, current indoor champion. Uh, and, uh, and another guy, Damien Birkenhead, out of Australia. So actually with Jack O'Gill as well, there's five of the top, five of the, uh, the, the top, 10 shot putters in the world all going to wow, be in Auckland cool. and also in Christchurch yeah. for the big shot on the 19th of February down there as well uh, and then the pole vault Eliza McCartney's got a couple of top North Americans uh, just first year out of college first year pro athletes uh, Alicia Newman out of Canada um, yep. she's the top Canadian athlete and another one uh, Morgan Lelou out of uh, the US so really exciting in those events and in the yeah. track uh, some top Aussies are coming across too including some Olympians from the uh, Australian team in the 5000 and also the uh, 800 oh awesome and and, um, now it's not just uh, just for the elites. There's also opportunity for the everyday Joes <laughs> to get involved. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, obviously um, one of the things we've always been really keen to is, as well as uh, you know, showing off these elite athletes, we actually want to encourage participation. And uh, it's been really good to hear. Uh, you, you may have, people may have seen a lot of the stuff Nick Willis is doing around the Miler method and basically getting uh, anyone, yeah, your, your every man, I guess, or your every woman, to yeah. have a go at track running. And it's fantastic. It's, there's a bit of a push in the states for that. At the moment uh, a lot of clubs are trying to encourage sort of mass participation miles on the track um, so we've picked up the mantra here in, in New Zealand and we're going to have a go with the People's Mile uh, which will be on the 26th of Feb as, the, as a sort of a pre-meet event for the uh, the Auckland Track Challenge at AUT Millennium. Very cool. Now how does it work like if you've got 200 people <laughs> sign up are they all going to run at the same time and it will, will it be chaos? It's, uh, it's, a good, uh, it's a good problem to have if we have 200 yeah. people. I've talked to the, uh, the Athletics Auckland officials, they're a great group. They're uh, um, they're more than capable of handling the numbers. They obviously do a lot of uh, mass participation style stuff in their winter season, so we've, we do yeah. have the timing equipment. So if we get big numbers, there's, there's a potential to you know we can use timing mats and things to actually uh, measure. But we want to do a we want to make sure everyone gets an official time on the mile. Um, so we'll, we'll work through that. Depending on numbers, uh, it'll depend exactly how we do things. But we will be able to have published results of your time. Um, you can you can register your name and, and, and we'll be we'll be getting in touch and, and following things up. And Nick's uh, going to be involved. Nick Willis will be involved too helping out uh, leading warm-ups and things like that and uh, a, a big part of the uh, the people's mile as well it's going to be a fantastic way to I guess experience track running if you've never done it before or, or maybe haven't had too much of a go at it you might be a half marathoner or a five or a 10k runner or or even not yeah. not run too much at all and we'd love to, to see you come out and, and have a go a mile is achievable for everyone doesn't you don't have to try and run a, a sub four or a sub five if you want to come in in a, in a sub 12 mi- uh, minute miles your goal hey we'll, we'd love to have you at the people's mile oh that's awesome um, what about yourself? Have you have you done a mile before, a standalone mile? I've had a few cracks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did a little bit of running at school. I was actually really lucky uh, to go over to the US Olympic trials, uh, which were obviously before the Olympics last year, and in, uh, in July in Eugene, Oregon, which is kind of the home of, of running. They call it Track Town USA. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of famous uh, athletes, and obviously the home of Nike there as well. Um, and as part of the US uh, Olympic trials, the uh, Oregon Track Club actually held a basically a people's mile. They called it a, an open meet. Um, after one of the nights of the Olympic Olympic uh, yeah, trials, yeah. and they actually had like 700 people um, sign up to run a mile on, on historic Hayward Field there, which is a really historic uh, track. And, and 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 it was basically they just sent us off in waves of uh, you know right from sort of the people that were trying to run sub 430s right through to to people that were you know a goal was was 12 minutes plus. So they just split them up into sort of 30 40. Uh, people groups and, and we went round and uh, yeah it was a really great experience and everyone was getting their photos and selfies on the track and uh, there was nice. a few few top athletes lingering around to watch too so it was pretty cool oh very cool can i ask your time 
Um, <laughs> it wasn't great, no. Um, yeah, no, I... Uh, it's all relative, right? No, I think yeah. I was around uh, just a bit over five, you know, between oh, five and six. Good. So I got round. Really I got round. I got round. Uh, yeah. No, so it was... Uh, but it was a good... Group. It was... Um, yeah, it was a great experience. And uh, hopefully the, you know, Kiwis... It, it, we, we think this is a bit of a long game too. If we don't get huge numbers this time, we'll keep going with it. It's something, uh, you know, we think has got a got a bit of uh, longevity. And I guess the, the other side from that, if people really do enjoy it, um, there'll be, be uh, all details for all the local Auckland clubs because we, we love, obviously, the next step if people do enjoy uh, the People's Mile is, is join up with your local athletics club and actually get stuck into it with club nights and, uh, and, and see if you can really get going with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, where can people sign up and, and how much does it cost? Yeah. I, I can't remember if you mentioned that. All right, so the yeah. price is nice and easy. It's free, so uh, we won't, don't <laughs> have to worry about that's that. That's the best price. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. Uh, and uh, no, th- we've got a website. Uh, it's www.thepeoplesmile.com. Some people think it's uh, thepeoplesmile.com, <laughs> but uh, it is it is about the same, I guess. But uh, thepeoplesmile.com, you can jump on there. It's really easy to, and then uh, we'll follow up uh, once everyone's once you're entered. We'll follow up in the next week or so with uh, with more information and basically let you know. But it's going to be happening from three o'clock. Uh, the event will start at three o'clock. The elite, elite stuff starts at three forty-five. Uh, that's on Sunday, the twenty-sixth of Feb at AUT Millennium uh, on the North Shore of Auckland. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have have a group down there. There's also some other stuff. Uh, if you do check out Nick Willis's uh, MileMethod.com, and I, I also know there's going to be a, another People's Mile down in Rotorua that uh, has been organised with the Lake City Club down there. So there should be some information on the Athletics New Zealand website around that. So if you are in Rotorua, jump in uh, and, and get involved with that as well. And, and Nick. Uh, supporting that event too. Brilliant. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Gareth. And we'll definitely be there to cheer people along. Maybe I'll get to run a mile myself. So welcome to the show uh, once again, second time on the show, um, Nick Willis, to have a bit of a chat about uh, about the mile and a new, new little project you've got running. So welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, thanks, Hayden. Great to have be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, our, our pleasure, as you, as always. Now, um, obviously, you are known as as one of New Zealand's um, best ever milers. You you've got um, you don't have the current mile record, do you? Um, I think John Walker still owns that one, but you've you've obviously got the New Zealand fifteen hundred metric mile record. Um, so when did it, when did it kind of start for you to get um, to get a fascination with the with the mile and um, was it something growing up idolizing people like Peter Snell and John Walker like most Kiwi kids have done in their lifetime? Yeah, I think for me first of all it was when my brother was running. I remember watching him at some of the international track meets they used to have in the January sort of season. Christchurch, Wanganui, Auckland, or Christchurch, Wellington, Auckland. Yeah. And my brother was in races where they were trying to break four for the mile. And um, I remember watching him run 402, 403, finishing seventh or eighth, and a couple of the top Kiwi guys at the time going under. Wow, Think, cool. oh, that looked awesome. So that's the sort of thing I aspired to, to be one of the better New Zealand runners and try and compete in those races. And then I finally had my opportunity um, when I was just finished high school and first of all, I I pacemaked Hamish Christensen. I think it was like the first weekend after the sort of New Year holidays had died down. Yeah. And I, I paced him for three laps, and he ran a 3.56 mile in the middle of January on wow. a, a Wellington afternoon, and that was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that two, must have given you a bit of confidence because you, you must have been running, what, 58s, 59s or something? 
Yeah, I was two fifty six for the twelve hundred, so I was fifty six, sixty, sixty. Yeah. Um, I thought, hey, I might have a shot at getting close to the four minute. I didn't think it was possible to break it, but I could at least get close. And then at Wanganui, the famous, um, probably the most famous track in New Zealand for the mile, I laced him up and hung on the back of the field and came through, and I ran a 401 mile, and that was really sort of the race that opened all of the doors for me in terms of scholarship opportunities, and I got a chance to travel to the UK and train with a bunch of the Kenyans, with, with one of the top agents at the time. and. So, yeah, that was really what launched my international career, that race in Whanganui, almost breaking four-minute mile as a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Because there's something beautiful about the mile um, as far as elite men running it goes, as far as, like, sort of the statistical beauty about it, because it's like you've got to be running under 60 seconds per lap, and then there's this magic four-minute barrier to try and get under which I, I think is um, less people have done that than have climbed Mount Everest. So it's it's quite an exclusive club still. And did, was that for you, like, nailing that sub four? Do you remember the first time you did it? And um, and what, what were your kind of thoughts when you broke that barrier? Yeah, well, it wasn't for another um, two years until I actually broke the, the barrier. The following year I struggled. Wow. I think I only ran a 407. And then when I went to Michigan, the University of Michigan, um, there was a, a good opportunity presented itself at um, the Notre Dame Invitational on an indoor track with no wind. Awesome, and yeah. And so there's sort of this debate who was going to lead the pace after the rabbit dropped off. And my training partner and I both thought we'd break four, but it was a matter of he didn't want to um, be the best everybody yeah. else. I didn't, I didn't care about winning the race. I just wanted to get the time. So... I ended up being the, the first year in college, the freshman is what they call them, and yeah. I was leading five other sort of senior runners, and they all passed me in the last home straight, but I got a 358 mile finally to my name. And wow, awesome. It was well worth the effort. So the problem was 600 meters into the race, my coach was yelling at the pacemaker to pick it up, pick it up, and the rabbit <laughs> pacemaker thought he was telling him to get off the track so he stepped off early oh, no. <laughs> so i was left out there um out to be hung out to be dried but um luckily in an indoor track there's no wind yeah so you had to do a full kilometer um pulling the others along yeah well they passed me with a lap to go but i remember yeah. doing the time and i was only fifth in the race and so no one else really cared about it but then i left the um I went outside, it was in the middle of winter in America, and I got on my phone and managed to call my dad and said, I finally did it, and that was really special, sort of that connecting yeah. back with my dad after um, sort of that personal achievement. And that's the beauty of the mile, in my opinion. It's the it's the improving your own times, whatever the barrier is for you, a five-minute mile, a six-minute mile, as my wife experienced a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she, yeah. Six-minute barrier for the first time, and that meant as much to her as breaking four did for me at the time, just because she had been trying so hard for many years to to get to have a five next to her name when she was running a mile. So, um, awesome. That's the cool. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is kind of like the marathon in that sense. Like you know, some people train for for decades even to go under four hours for the marathon or under three hours, and I think it can be the same for the mile. Um, it's all relative to where you start. Um, now, now for you, do you kind of see, um, because the miles sort of sit somewhere between a 100-meter sprint and a marathon, and you need kind of 
both types of fitness. Um, is that for you something that appeals to you that, that it's a perfect combo of, of speed and endurance? Yeah, the training for it I find is just really enjoyable and challenging. Yeah. Um, every day you have to focus on a different energy system, so you never really get bored. Some cool. days might focus said in other days you're doing a long run like a marathoner and everything in between so um it involves power you need the the musculature to handle the force continually not just for a short amount of time but for four or five minutes and so you got to do the work in the weight room and on the hills and on the track you need the aerobic capacity so you got to do the endurance training but you've also got to really focus on, on pace judgment just like the marathon every single um if trying to get it as even pace as possible is crucial. Otherwise, you dig yourself into a big hole where you'll explode later on. Yeah, the, yeah. The invisible wall in the marathons with after 20 miles or 32 kilometers and the mile, it's sort of 600 meters to go is when um, things start unraveling if you've got too far ahead of yourself. So that 1K mark is really the, the if you've got it or don't um, sort of thing. And that's where the endurance work really starts coming into play. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you often see um, that first lap can be quite quick and then the second lap sort of um, target pace. Um, but that third lap seems to be make or break for a lot of people. Um, yeah, we always try and coach people to, and this is how I've always raced, is that ideally you want your first three laps to all be even paced and then your last lap slightly faster than the rest of the race as you start to tap into that anaerobic system a little bit. But ideally, you don't want your first lap to be any faster than your second or third for your optimal time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for your personal best, the, that's how they've kind of been run? Um, yeah, all my all my best um, 1,500 mile times have been run that way. Um, you sort of, people always say, why do you always run at the back of the fields? And I say, well, I'm not running at the back intentionally. I'm just trying to run the best pace for my body. And it just happens that most of my competitors sprint to the start of it. Yeah, yeah. And I happen to be at the back. Um, and then I'm able to sort of utilize how my body responds the best. Yeah. Yeah, because I often get asked by some runners who they say they love to get out and, and go hard out at the start and run their fastest K at the start and then sort of hold on. And they like that feeling. But um, do you think there is a case for some people doing running it that way, that they that's the way their bodies are, or their minds are even designed. Um. No, I truly think that even pace is statistically the best way to go. It's some yeah. people don't have the mentality to push because you have to psychologically get over that sort of comfort barrier to keep pushing. In order to maintain even pace, you've got to increase the effort throughout the race just yeah. to maintain pace. And um, sometimes people find that hard, so they try and sort of get ahead early because they're not very good at pushing once it gets um, uncomfortable and that's where the benefit where the benefits of sort of having pacemakers or people to run against or even just simulating those situations and training can really help yeah um now one thing that a lot of people have as on a, an objection to run the mile is they just find it running fast is just so um sort of unnatural and you know, they'd much rather plod for a marathon for four hours than run as hard as they can for six. Um, so what what kind of things do you say to them to kind of sell the mile to people? Well, I agree wholeheartedly that 
if you haven't done any preparation for it, it's it's absolutely an ugly event, and you probably shouldn't attack out of nowhere. Um, when I'm in early season training, when all I'm doing is long distance slow running, if I were to stand on the start line for a mile, um, it terrifies me, and I would throw <laughs> up after half of the race. Um, <laughs> But that's just like doing a marathon when you haven't done the work. That's somewhere you shouldn't be on the start line of either. Yeah. You have to do the preparation. And the beauty of the mile is it's actually the training for it, which is best for your body. And then you get to reward yourself with a time at the end. And that's sort of the carrot being dangled out in front of you that motivates you through the training. And so I always start with hills first. Hills are yeah. a good way to sort of tap that faster energy system without getting the pounding or the speed on your legs. You yeah. go up hill, and then when you drop your foot down, it doesn't come down as far as um, as what you started from. So you're not getting quite the same impact on your knees and your ankle joints, cool. and you get the resistance work. So you get your heart rate up, and your muscles are firing, but you're not having to sort of um, move as quickly. So it's not that same sort of challenging um, switch from slow to fast initially and then you transition from the hills onto the track um, or on the roads that way and over awesome. a over a four to six week period then you will you won't be as fearful of the mile again and you'll be energized from that type of training ah uh, cool yeah that that totally makes sense and and i've definitely found going from hills to flat that psychological um, after doing some harder efforts uphill, you get on the flat and you, you all of a sudden find, oh, it's not too bad actually moving quickly because um, at least I'm not going uphill anymore. Yeah, but just uh, like anything, you've got to give your body a chance to adapt and we're pretty remarkable beings in that we will adapt to the different stimulus that we throw at it, but you've got to give it a chance to make those adaptations. So week by week, you make the different um, adjustments and so it's not all try to be done in the first one or two weeks over four to six weeks your body will be ready to do something completely different than it would have been otherwise yeah cool um now you mentioned uh, the the health benefits of running the mile and i know a lot of people listening to the show might have trained for a marathon and found that as far as body composition and, and weight loss um if anything training for that marathon you they might have put on weight um but then equally, people listening to the show might have found when they start doing more of that faster work, um, that more anaerobic or VO2 max stuff, the um, the weight actually starts to drop off. Um, have you found that? And um, yeah, what what are your thoughts around that side of things? Yeah, both my wife and I have found that... Um... For us, on, on the end of the day, weight stuff comes down to energy out, energy in. Yeah. But um, the difference is when you're just plodding along, logging mileage, what we've found, I find if I go out for a 20-mile run or a 30K run, I my body is desiring to replace what I just lost to, refu to refuel. Yeah. And, so, and once I finish my run, because I'm fairly fit, um, I'm not – that's the end of the calorie expenditure for the day and I'm on the couch exhausted for the rest of the day but my heart rate drops back down to the regular amount. So if I, I normally put in about a 10-week block of doing long stuff and I normally put on 2 or 3 kg over that period of time. Wow. Yeah. Um, so even though I'm running up to 150 kilometers a week, that sounds crazy, right? Yeah. But you're, yeah. you're always feeling so tired, you feel like you've got to refuel so your muscles have energy. But when it, once I start transitioning into more intense workouts, um, 
suddenly I lose my appetite quite the same way because the workouts aren't quite as long and I feel like I've got to hydrate a lot more. So I'm probably filling my stomach with fluids more. But most importantly, um, my heart rate is elevated for, for a sort of eight-hour period after the workout. It's not just the time uh, that I'm... Yeah. So although I replace my fuel, my energy stores after the workout, my metabolism has been raised for an additional eight hours afterwards because of the intensity of the workout. And that's where you're getting the, the extra caloric burning that um, over a period of time, two to four weeks, then I'll start, I'll lose that sort of puppy fat that I gained during the long distance training and I start feeling lean and mean again, you know. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's um, that's probably good news for anyone who's trying to get in shape for the rest of rest of summer. Um, and speaking of which, you um, you've launched a program just recently that is designed for people um, who are keen to to try out the mile and kind of test themselves and and build a bit of speed. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I first started out, um, my wife who's part of sort of my coaching team um she had never come from a running background at all but she entered the occasional 10k or half marathon just socially but after a while she thought why can't i do this sort of training next doing why is that training reserved for olympians or elites so she started doing hill repetitions and track workouts and tempo runs down to her um as she would acknowledge being sort of a, a casual weekend warrior jogger sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she found it a ton of fun and her friends started joining in and they started getting muscle tone and all this sort of stuff and sort of that's where it grew from there. So we thought, why don't we turn this into an online business where people can still get the the camaraderie or the team, the social effects of being a part of a group um, that can be done anywhere because my wife was a, a mother at the time, a, a young mother and her friends also. So we thought young mothers don't have time to meet up in groups, but if we create that socially online, then they can squeeze in their training when it fit in and, but still be motivated by a coach and by each other. And, um, that's where Myla method boot camps was born. And, um, but what we found is actually a lot of sort of former runners or people that are really keen and, the 10k marathon stuff they're like yeah i need a a change in scene for six weeks or 12 weeks and so they'll switch up and do this faster version of training for a while and then resume their um their longer stuff and that sort of it helps break up the monotony of always just doing the long distance running all of the time so it's actually been a lot of the this more quote-unquote serious weekend runners are finding just as much benefit and interest from it as more the people who are just getting off the couch who we initially thought this was just going to be for the social exercise, so to speak. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. And I, I definitely can see like both um, both markets that really are appealing to people. Um, and I think back to when I started running, it was actually um, on the back of watching the 2006 Commonwealth Games and watching yourself take gold. And I, I remember going down to the local track and seeing how fast I could do a 1500. I won't tell you what the time was, but if there was a program like this, um, you know, to um, at the time I would have jumped at it as my sort of intro into, into running because it is such an accessible distance. Like everyone... Everyone with a couple of legs can get themselves through um, through a mile, um, and the, and like you say, the, the training is 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 fun. It's varied. It's um, 
great for um, for body composition. It's great for for engaging the mind. So how can how can people find out about this? And can anyone do it anywhere in the world? What what's the sort of deal? Yes, so we have people from all over the world, from Germany, Finland, Japan, the Czech Republic, Australia, New Zealand, America, Canada. So basically anyone who has an interest in the mile distance has been interested to take part. And basically what people do is they sign up on mylamethod.com. They register for one of the future camps that are available. We basically run one camp per month. And they go for six weeks long, and then they fill out a survey outlining their background. They might not have run at all before. Or they've got a lot of extensive sporting background. And from there, we construct a customized six-week plan based on their ability and experience level. But the beauty is that or even though everyone has different um, abilities, the structures of the plan follow a similar template and that they'll all be doing the same type of workout on any given day. Um, that way that we can sort of give them forecasted videos that we we create to help them understand what they're looking to get out of the upcoming workout. We sort of coach a pep talk beforehand, and then they can also report, report back and post on the, our private face groups um, how their workout went. If someone got out at 6 in the morning in the snow to bust out their hill workout, <laughs> and someone who's tired at the end of the day of work, they'll oh, Jim did that. I better go out and do it as well. So yeah, the accountability cool. and the camaraderie is really the the best thing. I think most people get out of it. It, it gets them out the door on d- days that they might have sort of uh, maybe maybe I don't have the energy to do it today. A lot of people are um, getting out the door every day because of that teamwork. Awesome. Now the Kiwis, because the Kiwis would be first um, in line for doing the workouts. Are they setting the standard for the the group? Are they keeping? Yeah. I, yeah. I think they're doing a very good job at doing a sales pitch for New Zealand tourism because it's getting a little bit like Instagram at the moment. A lot of people posting <laughs> their most scenic shots around New Zealand, what, where they're doing their run that day. And um, sure, it's, yeah. it's making a lot of the Northern Hemisphere people who are in the winter at the moment quite envious of the sunsets or the um, the harbour overlooks sort of thing. So, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, pretty, they're setting the tone well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe you need Air New Zealand, a New Zealand tourism board to get behind it or something. Um, well, it sounds very cool. We'll um, definitely we'll put the sh- um, links to on the show notes and, and encourage people to to go and check it out. Um, because the yeah the mile is is special in our in our heritage and it's something that everyone can do. And like you say, it provides the perfect uh, the perfect thing to do outside of that marathon or a half marathon season to mix up your, your training. You don't want to just get stuck in the the same old. Um, plodding mode of training for the long distance races. I think it's um, yeah really important to change up the gears and add in this stuff. Um, now, what about yourself? You you are um, in New Zealand at the moment with uh, your family, and um, where, where's training at, and um, what's what's coming up? I took ten weeks off after the Rio Games and got quite out of shape, um, but I needed a sort of a, re- a recharge moment. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I started getting into decent shape again last week, and then I've got a nasty virus the last week, so oh, no. um, I'm a little bit down on my my fitness right now. But I'm not too worried. Um, it'll come around pretty quickly. So I've been training with Hamish Carson and Eric Speckman, and um, Hamish and I are heading down to Wanaka for the next three or four weeks to get in some quality training down there. And I'll sort of pick and choose my races once I get back to full fitness. I've, I'm in no rush to. Uh, um, 
to compete until I know I'm going to have a decent chance. I'm sort of slowly working my way through the different phases that I need to do, putting in a good base first and foremost, both on the trails and in the gym, a base for my muscles. As I'm getting more aged, I'll be 34 in a couple of months. The gym work is becoming more and more important. I'm finding to both keep healthy, but also keep the power and the muscles that was just automatically there when I was younger. And then I'll start transitioning into a little bit of um, track work over time. And once that sort of starts clicking, then I'll start um, thinking about what my racing calendar will look like. Cool. And a quick question about that, Jim. Is it um, is it weighted stuff or is it more sort of plyometrics or yeah, what what's that kind of looking like? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, really. Um, my strength coach, who's the strength coach at the University of Michigan, he he has me doing circuits where he doesn't give me allocated weights. He basically says you, you choose the weight based on what you're able to do, and so I'll do three or four leg exercises all in quick succession, and I'll do three or four sets of those, and then I'll do three or four upper body exercises, um, three or four sets of those, and then three or four um, core exercises. And he'll give me a whole bunch to choose from, and I can sort of pick or choose which ones I want to do on the day. Um, And then it only takes me about 45 minutes to get through it all. And because it's in circuits, it's extremely – my heart rate gets pretty crazy high, especially when – He'll have me do like 20 step-ups if I'm holding 15 kgs in each arm plus the step-ups. Try doing that at altitude. It's like running a 400 meters all out. It's, it gets quite intense in the end. So, again, it's getting the metabolism up, um, activating the fast-twitch fibers a little bit. And, um, yeah, it seems to be something that's helping me as I'm getting older, just still retain a little bit of my youth. Cool. And would you do that workout sort of after a, a track session or um, would it be on more of an easy day? Um, uh, I like to do it on the same day that I've already done one of my harder workouts, so a hills or a track session. But I normally do my running in the morning and then I'll do that in the evening. I really enjoy lifting after dinner, surprisingly. Oh, really? Nice. Because normally nice. you can't run after eating, so it's sort of like when, and it feels like it's another day, but it's not. So yeah, yeah. Um, and that way, by doing it on the same day as I'm working out my running, it gives me my maximum recovery time until the next hard running session. Yeah, cool. Oh, it's um, it's definitely an exciting time ahead as far as running as you age goes. There's like there's more and more guys in their 30s, you know, Bernard Legat and. What um, Kim Collins? He's still running the hundred meters at age forty, and um, so it, it's exciting to see, you know, how how we can keep our bodies going fast and and strong even um, as they age. So, yeah, I think the example was first set by the sprinters because they do a lot more of the work, which takes care of your body. In yeah, the past, yeah. the guys in the seventies and eighties with their distance running, they sort of. I drink like an animal and train like no, I train like an animal and drink like a fish was the famous comment by Rod Dixon. Yeah, yeah. They never they never stretched, they never did drills, they never did weightlifting or any of that sort of stuff. And so there's a period after a while your body just gets stiffer and tighter and stiffer and tighter that all you can you're left doing is the marathon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw a lot of sprinters. Um Debbie Ferguson was a woman sprinter from the Bahamas who was doing really well late into her late thirties. Wow. And she talked me through it about five years ago, and I said, yeah, that that's where the distance runners have lacked. So, um, And now we see Ruben Wiki at 44 about to play league again, but he's the strength really? and conditioning. 
he's a strength and conditioning coach for the Warriors, so he puts in the work in the gym, so he's looking after his body, and I think that's the component that um, distance runners can really utilize to extend in their careers. Yeah, because like for you, um, as you age, you won't need to do as much of that aerobic work because you'll be able to kind of draw on the years of aerobic conditioning that you have done, I imagine. Um, but it's a matter of just maintaining that speed and making sure that that's still there. Um, would that be would that be the case? or? Um... Yeah, I mean, as I've gotten older, it's been easier for me to do the aerobic work. It feels like my tendons and my ligaments can handle the volume a lot more. I'm not as prone for um, shin splints or Achilles tendonitis or just tightness in my knees. I just, because I was sort of old man strength, but where, um, where I find it harder is the recovery time between the really intense anaerobic work. And so I can't do as much of that, but um, I can offset that by doing more work in the gym um, where you think gym work tires you out, but that's only for the first sort of month. And then once you cross that plateau, it actually gives you energy and you recover quicker from everything else because you have that sort of resistance and tolerance in your muscles. Oh, very cool. Yeah, which which emphasizes why it's important to have that base phase of um, of getting that gym work in now uh, rather than later in the, the season when you're beginning to race. Yeah, and that's sort of become one of the focus points of our boot camps as well. Not necessarily using weights but a lot of body weight circuit training and um, especially the women have found that really enjoyable because it's muscle tone is something that a lot of um, distance runners lack um, you watch people yeah. running the marathon they seem like sort of they're wasting away <laughs> but you really need to activate the glutes um, especially just so you've got that sort of that driving force that sprinters have yeah. that's where yeah. you'll really get the power from so the hill running and the, a lot of glute work stuff with um strength work um i think that really helps keep your stride efficient and powerful later on in life yeah absolutely a few squats a day keeps the, keeps the injuries away absolutely <laughs> um awesome well thanks again nick uh really appreciate you coming on the show and all the best with the myler method um mylermethod.com for those who want to check it out and um i hope you get over the sickness and enjoy wanaka's trails and can make the most of being down south yeah i hope so too hey thanks hayden really appreciate it cool thanks nick so we also had a little interview there with nick willis who has started up his his own business um teaching people how to run the mile and, and really gain fitness out of that yeah um not some not bad advice there like <laughs> I, I i love that that someone like nick is you know clearly this is is a business venture but it's it's so exciting like it's great that he's willing to share everything that he's learnt you, you couldn't ask for a better person to learn from in terms of running the mile so oh, absolutely yeah. and as I said to Nick in the interview like he was one of the inspirations that got me into into running uh, watching the 2006 Commonwealth Games yeah, yeah. so um, if I, if this was available then because I just went down to the track shortly after that um, well a few months after that and tried myself out on a 1500 yeah. and um, if I had a program like this I would have done it for sure yeah, yeah. Um, who knows I might, I might still do it if, if my Achilles let, yeah, lets yeah. me um, so training for the mile how, how does it differ for you to training for say a half marathon marathon yeah it's that's a good question I you know training for a pure distance run 
in a lot of ways is quite simple because you it, most of your foundation is just your base running so just your general mileage running yeah um, when you are talking about middle distance running uh, miling there's a concept of, of um, that that they talk about called uh, you know various terms but I call it a mixed model uh, base yep. so it's not just a base of endurance through lots of long steady running um, you're actually also building a base for other components that are really important for the mile and so you know a couple of um, components that we can clearly identify it's not just endurance speed so your basic speed is really important and your general athleticism is really important yeah, so yeah. you know a miler's base and this is this is a lesson that could be uh, transferred over to any distance um, but uh, you know a middle distance runner's base generally has a base of endurance uh, and uh, some base speed work so and and I'll talk about that soon base speed work and athleticism and you you can talk a little about the athleticism yeah, yeah. if you want yeah. so yeah tell us about the speed work what's yeah what are we looking at so it is the base phase so in some ways the base phase for for the long distance running is just lots and lots of mileage yeah so long slow or steady running building that aerobic yeah. engine and for yeah. a miler there might be some workouts in there particularly if you really like to get your legs moving fast so you're training for a half marathon your build-up is going to be you know almost always just running with maybe one workout a week a miler they might they may look to get on the track or, or run faster up some hills or, or something like that so there might be a bit more speed work in their base but when I talk about a speed base I'm talking about pure speed development so that is going to look like um, really short sprinting so keeping the sprinting time under 10 seconds so you're working on your um, your neuromuscular uh, strength um, your coordination and and your your really your sprint system so your ATP PC system so you might start with some hill sprints so six times 10 seconds sprinting up a hill and then build that up to you know seven eight uphill sprints and then eventually onto the track putting on the spikes and you know 10 times 60 meters and we're talking full speed so these aren't speed work sessions as in running lots of 400 by 400 no no it is purely base work to make sure that you you hold on to your pure pure speed your fastest speed yeah. so while you're building your pure endurance you're also building your pure speed and this is your base phase and then later on uh, you layer on top of that all the stuff that's in the middle yeah cool yeah I like it um, and the other thing that I kind of add into that is that maintaining of, of athleticism and, yeah. and I kind of um, it's it's one of my big hobby horses at the moment because I see so many runners particularly marathon runners people who are going longer distances and more so um, ultra runners now as well yeah. um, who kind of let their athleticism go so yeah. you know the thought of changing direction suddenly is is painful to yeah. the um, they, they just become aerobic monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the aerobic, the cardio Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have none of that. They lose that base, base athleticism that we had as, yeah, as children. As kids, yeah. yeah, and it's something, it is a lesson from the mile because the world's best milers, um, particularly, um, I, won't, I won't even stereotype it to say the Europeans because it's equally true of the Africans and whatnot. You often look at their um, time in high school 
and it's not surprising to see that they were elite soccer players or, or if not elite borderline elite soccer basketball rugby players yeah um, who weren't just runners they were genuinely good athletes yeah so absolutely yeah, they, they could line up at the school athletics and uh, do well in the hundred and the high jump yeah Ma- maybe not the shot put but, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. as well as winning the school cross country so these are these are genuine uh, athletes and there's a lot to be said for it it's, yeah it's yeah. you know it's not just about the speed there's all that other stuff there's, there's changing direction and in a lot of ways it's training for training so sure any you can just go out and run lots and lots of miles and become really really fit but if you have a good base of athleticism the, your ability to withstand all of that mileage is going to be so much better yeah yeah absolutely and how i kind of um look to instill that into my athletes and into myself is is through drills yeah uh, plenty of drills hill work running trails um and like real sort of fart legs so kind of playing around on the trails yeah um so going going fast around corners yeah over fences all, all that fun stuff yeah um and then plyometrics so lots of jumping skipping um just yeah different movements um fast movements so yeah, yeah. You, you've obviously got to introduce it gradually if it's something that's new to you yeah. but it's the stuff that you did as a kid yeah. and it's important to hold on to it because if you don't do it you just lose it yeah. um, there's, I don't think there's any excuse for being unathletic when you're older <laughs> um, aside from just letting it go um, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and so if you hold on to it I'm, I'm sure that you can keep well, yeah. it one of, one of those um, one facet of athleticism is just coordination that coordination and so I yeah particularly when I was at the peak of my running I I was always big on drills and the coordination and jumping and all that sort of stuff and it, I really noticed the difference um, with the team we would do some off-road running but not that frequently it'd be kind of once a week or once every two weeks and there were some of the less athletic members of the team who were really fit um, and particularly uh, on the girls side really really fit athletes and we'd go and do these off-road runs and they'll be twisting ankles or you'd You'd look around and they'll be in a heap on the ground and they just couldn't handle the more dynamic, um, less rhythmic movement of running over trails. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, which I found really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And then when, so that's kind of the base phase for a miler, um, but then what about when we get closer to the race? What are sort of the peak workouts you're going to look to do? What do you you think? This is the hard part. And look, I'm I'm a coach and I'm, I'm happy to admit that I'm really, really good at the base. Yeah, I, I, I love laying out the base training for my athletes and getting them really fit. It's that next step that actually is a bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, so look, my general advice is to talk to a coach um, because you know there's a there's a lo- level of uh, individual specificity yeah. that's going to be very relevant. So you can't yeah. just take what's written in a book and think that that's going to work really well for you. Yeah. You're worth uh, getting a coach and uh, having a chat about your build up and and what you think will work and figure it out. Look, generally speaking, though. You know, we've had the base, so we've got you know a good base of long running and a good base of uh, either maintaining our speed or building our speed. Yeah. The next phase is just about the middle stuff, and so we bring those two aspects together. Um, but you've still got to temper this and with keeping your mileage relatively high. It's gonna your total volume is gonna drop a little bit. You're gonna do you know two, three, or four workouts a week, and uh, you know 
in a very broad system you're going to do at least one that's pure speed um, one or two at race distance and then one or two uh, that are a bit slower yeah so yeah it's pretty it's pretty pretty basic but it is about or a lot of race pace specific stuff um, towards the ends um, but when you come out of the base phase and you're getting started the real trend now is to do slightly slower stuff and a higher volume of slower stuff yeah so more tempo runs yeah, yeah. mile reps that sort of yeah. thing yeah and yeah. Uh, you know for a lot of milers they don't enjoy the long grind of tempo road runs so they might do something that you know say you and i would happily go and do a 20 minute tempo run here on the uh the west haven marina uh, a, a true trackie who's really speed based they'd just roll their eyes and go oh, this is going to be a terrible workout they'd much rather hit the track and do 10 800s yeah you know and so it's a bit it's a bit of horse and maybe with horses. 200 meter jog recovery yeah. so it's it's quite yeah uh, you're not actually recovering yeah, that long exactly, it's a bit exactly. more yeah, yeah. thresholdy uh, athlete yeah. i coach um keegan who's, who's a young para athlete he's definitely he's got that speed mentality yeah and so you know uh, if I give him a 20-minute tempo run, he really will struggle to run under four minutes a K. But I can I can put him on a grass track and have him run, you know, three-and-a-half-minute Ks just with some little recoveries thrown in. It, it just suits his psychology much, yeah, much yeah. better. Yeah. So, yeah, And I think that's one of the keys as you get closer to the race. It is quite individual. Yeah. There should be a lot, of, uh, a lot of workouts at race pace to get you accustomed to it yeah. um, and be able to pace your race because um, that's quite important. And yeah. even in a mile, um, but it, it is individual. And for me, like one week out from a mile, I like to do that real feel good, um, yeah. feel good run that gets you like, okay, I'm fit. I, I know I'm fit. I'm feeling good. I'm going to yeah. recover from this workout in a week's time and be ready to roll and, yeah. and ready to fire. Yeah. So yeah. And you've just said one of the key words for middle distance running, which is feeling good. So. Five, long distance training, 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon. You, the volume of training that you need to do to reach your best is quite high, and you never really fully recover that well. Yeah. 1500 meter running is quite different. Um, there's much more recovery built in, and you should be feeling much fresher and much faster in, in your final kind of couple of months leading up to the event. Yeah, awesome. Mm. I love it. Well, um, I'd really encourage everyone listening out there to consider tackling a mile, whether it's this summer or um, maybe next summer. Yeah. Uh, but it is a great thing to do to mix up your training. Don't just uh, do your, your longer races and then hang up your trainers. Look for something um, that's going to uh, fire things up again and um, get you get you focused. Because a lot of people will say who have done both a marathon and a mile that a mile is a lot more a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. for a very short amount of time, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it is um, it can be a very painful event, yeah, but a very fun event. You don't get event. many people crawling around on their heads and knees wanting to have a spew after a marathon. You know, yeah, they're, they're more yeah, they're limping. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, with yeah. the emergency blanket on. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a different sort of fatigue, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It yeah. is very good. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, stay happy um, and happy running, and we'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you. But you'll hear us. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Have All a good right. one, guys.